again, it is your Uncle Brent and Raynell coming at you with another w- wonderful interview with Jesse from Jesse and the Hog Brothers. Sweet! I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> so, Brent, what have you been up to? Are you guys all back to, to normal health fully, finally? I think we are, but, you know, I mean, my daughter's going to germ germ school right now. It's a Petri dish. Yes, you can, you can call it what it is. You know, they lick each other's hands. You know, Here, just, you can share my gum and I'm exactly. chewing on. Yeah. So... I don't know, but, I mean, we, we had gas leaks last week. God, the universe is just kicking your ass. It is. And, I, and I guess mean, what? seriously. I got hacked. I can't get in my Facebook. Still? And then, yeah, I still can't get in. Fuck. And then someone, some fraud has happened. They took $170 out of my Uncle Brent account, so my bank account balance is zero. And so you had to go in there and freeze that and say it wasn't me and start all that fun stuff. I'm I'm starting that up, yeah. Yeah, that takes a minute. That is a pain. I am sorry. That's well, all right. You make just, me feel you make me feel, feel guilty for healing. For only for being down from three breaks to one. <laughs> I went for I went for a mile walk today. Yeah, how did it go? It hurt. Was it a hobble or was it a walk? Yeah, it was a walk. Uh, the walk, the first walk I did was like half a mile, and that was like three days ago, and that was a straight up hobble. Like it was so frustrating that I just gave up and went back home. And then like halfway to back home, I was like, "This is some bullshit." A fucking toe. Man, and then he said to take the tape off, and dude, I took the tape off, and now my toe is like, here's here's the four or the three toes, and then here's. Here's the other t- it just it's just hanging to the right, just hanging. Maybe you just need to leave that tape on. He said to take it off, but I think I, I think I'm gonna put it on when I'm doing a lot of walking, or like when I'm at work because yeah, I'm like there. I mean, it is not that that. I mean, there's a gap between yeah. toes like this. It's gross, mm. but I can't complain because my kid's not sick. Knock on wood. So that's it. I'm really excited about this interview. Yeah, it'll be good. It's uh, fun. Through a friend of a friend's nice storytelling, funny music, and that's going to make us happy. Texas Cow Punk. Boom. Because I was like, when when I read the first family of Texas Cow Punk music, and then I thought, well, they're also armed with orange jumpsuits <laughs> and have holiday classics like Santa's got a bag of coal. Yeah. So, All true. So, so I, when I read that stuff and I was going through stuff, I was like, okay. Because I didn't listen to the music at first because I just wanted to see what was out there and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. So I, I did the music last. Well, okay, I did... Some of the music last. I couldn't help but avoid. I couldn't avoid a lot of it because I just ran into it. So my first question is: says you're from North Texas. So my question is: is some lyrics have suggested that the family is from Cisco. Is that Cisco, Texas? Where is that? Uh, no, but Cisco, Texas is the city we refer to in the songs. But the band we started out in Bosque County. Okay. And uh, from there, uh, we we basically, I mean, we grew up in Bosque County. We grew up with Pappy. In fact, he may even walk in any second because he'll, he'll walk in my house anytime. He's the patriarch of the Hog family, and basically he taught us how to play and everything else. So, I mean, he's probably the biggest musical influence on me and the band is the fact that when we were all coming up, uh, we used to all be at Pappy's and I was, at, I lived at Pappy's cause my, my, my father had passed away. So Pappy had taken me in. So I grew up with, I grew up with his kids and, um, you know, it's, it's been, uh, it's been a family band and, and lots of fun. And so, yeah, we did our roots are, are in Texas, but obviously I don't have an accent and people remind me of that every time I'm in Texas, but I was born there. But unlike some people who got there as quick as they can, uh, I had no choice. Uh, Pappy married a Yankee woman, 
and moved uh, up up to uh, New England, and I went I went with the package, and so that's why my accent is what it is. It is what it is. You, I remember one time because we do we do that song "Don't Mess with Texas," and it happened to say we were we were at a club in uh, Austin, the old Headhunters uh, or or whatever it became. We were there. They were actually under a change. They were with that bar uh, save program. And so I was there and they were about to change the name and I was talking to Looney there and he told me, he goes, and as soon as we, as soon as these guys leave, we're going to turn it back to Headhunters. But I think it was called Leather and Lace or whatever, but we, that's the last mm-hmm. time we played in, in that building. And, um, yeah, I mean, so it's, I, I basically said to the crowd, any Yankees here and, and, uh, Looney, who's the bartender and, and manager there screams out, yeah, you. And it was uh, always, it's always funny to hear, you know, I've had, had many people and then we, I just say, well, well, where were you born? And well, they weren't born in Texas. So I says, I don't know who's more Texan. And I didn't know there's a place to measure for it, but let me know where it is and I'll go. But I love Texas. I love, I love all parts of the country. I enjoy, I enjoy being in, in, in this band and the luxury it's given me to meet all different types of people. I mean, it's just been great. We we play in front of any type of audience, and our favorite place to play will be back there in November. Uh, we'll be playing at the Shrine in Harlem, in New York, in New York City, and that's Ooh, that's nice. probably our favorite bar to play. The music there is so diverse; you don't know what you're going to play with or what's going to come after you. <laughs> um, and it truly is a world music venue. I mean, we saw a guy; he was playing a gourd literally a gourd and it was huge and it sounded like uh, a harp so you said you guys are a family band how did it get started well neil who is 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 i I grew up with neil hogg and we got we basically went our separate ways musically i decided to go into a cover band and since i was up up north uh i was in a cover band and we called it the same exact name jesse and the hog brothers and i had all people that i was not related to except for pappy in the band and we played country covers uh we played all over the place and uh but we were a cover band and then when that ended in like 2007 or 8 around then i went back to texas and neil had just moved back from la and he was in texas he was in hearst and he said to me, hey, do you ever record those songs we wrote? And, of course, the answer is no. Why would I record songs I wrote with him with somebody else? And so next thing you know, he's got a studio down there. And we recorded what ended up being our first two albums over about, uh, well, from like 2007 to about 2009. when, And we put them both out like within within 30 days of each other because they were all from the same recording sessions. Nice. And uh, we we didn't think anything was going to come of it. We recorded those songs for our personal satisfaction. Uh, we got a lot of different family members to participate. So when people look at the credits on all our stuff, they say, well, how many people really are in the band? When, when we come out and play live, you may see four or five of us. I mean, there may be eight of us, but that's a rare occasion and usually a big outdoor event festival type thing when you know, we, we coordinate and get everybody there, but most of the time it's just who's available to be able to play the show and a lot of it's logistics. So I do have a couple band members in Texas, uh, Kenny Hogg and also got, um, you know, Neil still lives in Texas. Uh, I'm here now in, in the Louisville area in Kentucky. Um, and, uh, Pappy lives here. That's why I moved here. And, uh, you know, he told me it was a great place to be. So I'm here, too. And I'm really enjoying the, the Louisville scene is unbelievable. The amount of people that grew up playing uh, bluegrass music or church and church music and learned to play an instrument at an extremely young age. Uh, the talent level out here in the in the Kentucky area is much better than its reputation, because when I left. We were the last place we were headquartered was out of Boston. And when I went to, went to leave there, I was told that, you know, you're never going to get a music scene as exciting as in Boston. And, um, in terms of quality of musicians, if you take Berkeley out of the equation, you know, then basically Boston is not anywhere near what you can get. Because again, in Boston, you took up an instrument when, because you decided to do it maybe in high school or maybe a little earlier. 
You didn't have a choice in Kentucky. You were given an instrument and said, hey, you're a fiddle player. You're this. You're playing something. Or or we all have family get-arounds. My father plays this. My mother plays this. My cousin, uncle. And it's just tremendous. In fact, uh, we we just uh, played with uh, a, a band recently, and what great pickers. I was just amazed. I says, I mean, as much as they could sing and harmonize, I was I was just fun- blown away with how fast they could pick yeah there's good there's good music um how would you describe your sound we call it cow punk and what's funny is and the guys joke they say jesse invented cow punk until he found out that he didn't and it's true (laughs) Um, we we were we always started calling ourselves country music because that's what we really are but Mm -hmm. That's not what country music is today, and there's nothing wrong with it. It is what it is, but we don't play, um, we don't play anything like what you listen to on pop country music. And there's nothing wrong with it. People love no. it. It, it, it. It people listen to it, and if they heard us, they they would say that we're 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 not playing country music. Where I would say we are playing country music. But anyway, we we wanted to play a bar, and uh, we had targeted the place and wanted to play it and. So they had me check it out, and I look at it. I go, did you guys see in big capital letters, no country music uh, on their on their booking site? And they said, yeah. I said, well, don't worry. I'll talk to the guy. And he said, what kind of music you play? And I said, cowpunk. I thought I made it up. And he said, what is it? I says, well, it's punk rock music with a little twang. And, uh, you know, and, that, and therefore we'd been. And then when I found out there was a cowpunk, I changed our music to Texas cowpunk. Because I don't really think we sound like uh, we don't sound like the Gun Club um, or any of the bands Prong or any of the bands that um, supposedly cowpunk um, and that came out of the UK. So we're all American, uh, and not that that's good or bad or indifferent, uh, but we're all American in the band, and so we play American. Uh, and since the family is originally from Texas, uh, then it is Texas cowpunk. I, I would also say that there's a little bit of a bluegrass sound with you guys. That it goes, it goes oh, absolutely. deeper. There's a mixture of bluegrass, Texas swing. I mean, all forms of what what used to be called country music that is now not called country music. I don't know what it, it's now called in different genres. So, oh, you play bluegrass. Bluegrass is country music. Yeah, so, but no, it isn't. It's bluegrass now because country <laughs> music has been taken over by the pop. Uh, billboards, you know, it's all about it's all about putting together a tune, and that can sell. And I understand that. I mean, it, the business runs on money, and the record companies are still going to create music that, you know, has the has the verse, chorus, the you know, the bridge and the and the bullet and all that stuff. I mean, that's important, but it's not it's not what we're trying to do. You know, we're trying to tell stories. Um, they're usually all true. The easiest way to write a song, at least for me, is to just tell the truth, whether it's a story about something somebody shared with me or, or the truth. And then I've even written a few songs that have historical, uh, content because I, I really appreciate, uh, a good story. And if someone's got a good story and it's true, uh, I like, I, I like to see if I can put it into music sometimes. Yeah, when I saw it, I was expecting a little more, a little more of a metal slant to it, at least some distortion. So I was kind of shocked when I got in there and there wasn't distortion. But what I did here was a bunch of rhythms and chord progressions that reminded me that were influenced by ZZ Talk. Interesting. Uh, if you listen to one song on our album, and I'd, I'd recommend if you want to hear some distortion. Uh, listen to the song called We're All in This Together. And there's a, there's a story behind that because when we originally wrote the song, the song was written as Squirrel Dumplings. We were, we, we were recording inside a studio in, in, uh, in Jamaica Plain and I think it's Dimension. I can't think, the, I'm, I'm, I can't remember the name, but anyway, George Thorogod recorded his Bad to the Bone album there. Mm-hmm. So Stevie Joe steps inside the booth. And it is one of the booths, the isolation booth where he's going to play guitar. And, and, uh, the engineer says, you know, that's the booth where Thurgood played on bad to the bone. He goes, so we call it the bad to the bone room. 
And he said, yeah, well, when I'm done, it's going to be the Squirrel Dumpling Room. And, uh, <laughs> and sure enough, Squirrel Dumplings, uh, is, is, is really cool. It's finally going to see the light of day. We kind of switched record labels and, and, uh, going away present to our old record label is, uh, we're going to be on the, a compilation and, uh, the song they wanted because they are a punk and metal label. They wanted Squirrel Dumplings. So, so we do have some, but it's not the focus of the band, obviously. Yeah, yeah, y'all are storytellers. Yeah. yeah, I really liked that about you guys, actually. Speaking of, let's talk about uh, the first song. Let's talk about the hammer. And first, the hammer. And first question: um, Is that legit about the lawyer that there are all the commercials of in Louisville, Kentucky? First of all, yes, there is a hammer here in Kentucky. Yeah. Um, but there's also one in Texas, and if you flip our mm-hmm. album over or the CD, you'll also hear the Texas Hammer. And so, <laughs> and so we know the Texas Hammer is suing the Alabama Hammer for copying his commercials. I know more about hammers than I ever would want to know. So, I was dying. I was like halfway through it. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this the Hammer Hammer? And are you getting paid for that? No. So here's the thing. We used to, to, before I moved here, when we would come and do a Midwest tour, Pappy was already living here. So we would house equipment here. So we didn't have to travel with all our equipment. We would just get it whilst we're here. So it was it was much cheaper for us to migrate here, uh, no matter how we got into southern Indiana, So where, where Pappy lives. And so when we went and did that, um, you know, it, it, it just prompted us and allowed us to tour a lot. So it was really instrumental in the development of the band. But so I, I'm, I'm the, I'm the one who will waste money. So I fly in. So I fly into Indy because it's cheaper, cheaper to fly in, uh, to, to, uh, Louisville. So I'm driving, I'm driving a car that I rented from there the first time and I'm seeing all these signs for the hammer one after another. Hammer, hammer. In fact, sometimes there's like three signs stacked together and they're all the hammer. And, 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 and it's great. And so I decided after we counted 21 signs from the Indy airport to Louisville, there was 21 signs. And I said, we got to write a song about this. And well, we usually ends up as me. And so, uh, I, st- I started doing more research like I always do before I write a song. And that's how I found out about all the other hammers and how they're this and they're that. And then I was going to try to do the song almost to poke fun at the hammer. And that was really my intent. Just like when I wrote Don't Mess with Texas, I really wanted to write Mess with Texas, but it wasn't funny. It wasn't any good. And so we changed it to Don't Mess with Texas. And then the same with the hammer. Making fun of them really was not, it just was, it wasn't entertaining at all. There's enough people that are going to make fun of him because of he's famous anyway. Uh, so we just decided, you know, let's make it positive. And, and, there, and then the song was born. And, uh, we have contacted, um, Mr. Isaacs and, um, his, his publicity person told me, uh, and again, I, I, I think they're great. I have no, yeah. I have no ax grind, but Mr. Isaacs is not interested in partnering with your band. And Aww. so that's, you know, and, and I don't blame him. That's not his I'm business. Just... Why would he care? You know, you but... should have told him every superhero needs theme music. Well, I mean, he's also got, I think his son is writing a song about him right now. So, um, I'm sure it'll be better than anything I can think of. All I know is when we play it in different states, it's funny. They think, like we played in the Carolinas and, and they said, Oh yeah, I know the guy. I go, no, you don't. I says, Do you, have you been to Kentucky? He goes, no. I says, it's not about the guy here in the Carolinas. I didn't even know they had a Carolina hammer. <laughs> They go, well, we just started using it. I'm like, okay, great. I says, it's a pretty cool gimmick, you know, and the Texas hammer, I think his commercials are, are the best. When he comes in with that giant sledgehammer and stops a train and stops a big giant truck like he's Thor, those are great. I, I, I like the music of the song too. The lyrics are funny, but it has a cool boogie woogie kind of feel to it. Yeah, we want the rockabilly on that one. Then in the verse, you kind of have like a, like a bass harmony, which is kind of neat because you have the main main vocals and then you have a bass harmony, which I thought was cool. And then in the 
I guess it's after the solo, you have this part where they just keep saying hammer, 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 hammer. And I was like, oh my gosh, this could be influenced by ACDC, Dirty Deeds, Dungeon Cheap, or something like that. And I was uh, like, oh know, my gosh. We, we originally did it just on the Texas hammer, and we were going Texas, hammer, Texas, hammer. And then we decided, well, that sounds pretty cool, so let's put that into the regular hammer. And just like at the, at the beginning of the song with I got my check and mm-hmm. at the end or wherever we got it, I mean, we that came after a while, too. So, I mean, that song went through a, a few bits of, uh, I, I don't know, we must have done about eight versions before we were happy with it. And, uh, you know, the uh, that's one that me and uh, me, Kenny and Neil wrote. And, uh, you know, it was. Neil Neil basically did very little on it, but the thing is, he's the one who put that bass in that you're talking about. He mm-hmm. was the one that that added that. So I didn't really give him any credit for it because, hey, Neil, that's the way it goes, you know. <laughs> so it's me and Kenny. We're all the way. So the opening riff, I mean, this song is like really cool because it has that boogie kind of feel to it, and then in that one area, it has like a ACDC tonal qualities, and then. Some of the riffs sound just like what uh, ZZ T- Billy Gibbons would play, which, yeah. but it's not it's not rocked out like him. It's a it's kind of like a smooth kind of thing where where when he does his riffs, they're highly distorted and stuff like that. But the guy playing guitar on that was that you or who was that? Well, I don't play it. I don't play guitar. I play I play this. So on the hammer. Which is in G, I do this. And you can actually hear it on the recording. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little xylophone. That's, that's fantastic. That's a xylophone. And, uh, I can, I can put things in its mouth, you know, like if I have a kazoo or sometimes I, I, I play this as well. Yeah, I saw you playing that in a video. And so sometimes I'll, you know, he'll hang on to it for me. Um, but those, I mean, I'm, I really do that just to more or less keep a beat. I got my jack! you individually since we've only got you into music was there like a defining moment where you were like this is what I want to do or did it just sort of happen naturally I mean music has always been important to me it was it was drilled into me in a different way once I got relocated 
uh, when my mom ended up moving and living with Pappy down in Texas, you know, for a while when we were down there. That's when I started playing. In fact, uh, I used to play trombone. Um, and I haven't touched it in 30 something years, but that, I, that's the instrument that they said, which one you want? Cause you're going to play an instrument. And I, that one looks cool. And realizing that, uh, it really didn't fit in any of the stuff we were playing. No. But it didn't didn't stop me. But I have, like I said, I haven't touched it in years. I still have it. You know, it's funny. I don't play any instruments, but running Jesse and the Hog Brothers and playing all over the country, I own multiple PA systems. I own three drum kits, and uh, you know, I own I don't know five or five or six guitars, a few basses, and um, but I mean, you just need that because you never know when you need to have a, an axe or whatever. Yeah, but eventually I'll get rid of it all because I don't play it, and I'm, I don't think I'm going to learn. <laughs> <laughs> the time has passed. It has come. It is gone. <laughs> the most talented people learned how to play when they were were young. If you know, from you know, I'm, I know there's people you could say, "Hey, this guy started when he was 60 or 70 years old," and that's great. But I guarantee you, he's not one of the top players in the world um, because you, you, it's it's. It's a combination of everything to be successful in life is a combination of experience and skill. And you can have all the skill in the world and all the talent, but if you need the experience, too. You need both. So what is a live show like Crazy you guys? Yeah? Crazy. It usually starts with uh, me asking the guys, you know, uh, guys, I would, I would, I would like us all to come out with this type of look tonight. Uh, so let's talk about the prison outfits, because it's like, okay. So we, I said, look, I, I, I got a great deal on these things. Let's go, let's go do them. We had a couple of outdoor festivals. I figured it would really, it would really get a reaction to walk on stage in prison outfits. In the orange uniforms, I mean, yeah. iconic. Yeah, but if you notice, if you, if you notice, my drummer and Stevie Joe, he's like, I ain't, I ain't. I ain't putting that on. Because like, anytime I'm putting one on is when I have to put one on. I go, yeah, and I don't want to remember. Goes, no, I'm never putting one on. I'm like, okay. But me and CJ5 and, and Kenny, we we can't wait to get out there and, and do that kind of stuff. And then, of course, Kitty put on her little uh, prison jumpsuit as well, and we all had we had a lot of fun playing those shows. And you know, you'll see, you'll see, they'll, they'll come out every so often, you know. But I mean, I always like to add a little bit of showmanship to our show and not just play the songs. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with bands that just do that because maybe they're right. more serious in their music and everything. But I want, I want people to have fun. I want them, you know, I want people to come to our shows to be entertained, not just by the music, but I want them to have a few laughs, forget about whatever, whatever their troubles or whatever's bothering them and they can laugh with us or at us. It's fine with me. You know? Oh my God. That's the same thing Brent says all the time. They're either laughing with me or at me. I don't care. I want people to have a good time. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if you think about any joke, no matter what it is, Someone has to be the butt of the joke. It's just the it's 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 just the oldest thing since the beginning of time. If you're gonna get upset because people are laughing at you, then don't try to be funny, because people will laugh at you. Even if you try if you not to be a funny, joke or or you trip and fall. I mean, you really want someone to laugh, just trip and fall. You know, and unless you get hurt, it's hilarious. They may laugh harder hurt. if you get hurt. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they do, depending on what where you get hurt. But I mean, if they bring in an ambulance, then no one's usually laughing. Uh, I, I tr I've, I've reached the age where my all my friends and me are we're, we're not old old yet, but we're not in our twenties anymore. Now, when we fall, there's like a brief second where you're like, "Are you okay?" And then once they say yes, that's when the laughter and the jokes. Man, I wish I could hold it back. I, I have, I have, I have burst into laughter and then, uh, and then they said, gee, I'm sorry I laughed. But I wasn't, I mean, I'm not sorry. You're not sorry. Don't. It was funny in the moment. I'm sorry. I didn't, I mean, I didn't want anyone to get hurt. Did you see how you flew through the air? Exactly. If you saw yourself or, you know, as, as people like to say, if you saw the look on your face, and it's like, yeah. Yeah. So. You know, so I'm a movie star now, so, you know. Uh, yes, I'm, let's talk about that. Let's talk about Killer Chickens, because you, you touched right on it a little. Is the D, this right here, and again, it's a, we'll see if. There it is. That's the DVD. Um, Cluck Cluck Productions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it 
it's really funny. You talk about, you know, why, I mean, it was an advantage meeting all these hardcore punk metal bands because one of the guys who used to be in a, uh, a death metal, uh, band, uh, and he now is producing movies and he has his own production company. And, uh, and so, uh, I've known him and he contacted me and said, Hey, we're doing this movie called Attack of the Killer Chickens. I'd like you guys to be in it, and I definitely want some of your music in it. And so uh, I said, sure, what do you want to do? So we ended up, uh, we had two shows scheduled in Harlem. There's two different clubs we play, the Shrine and Silvana. And so we played played one of the clubs the first night, and then in the afternoon, in Saturday afternoon, we went near the Letterman Theater. And there's this building there where you can rent a room. And it, the room we were in was like a closet. It's tiny as hell. And that's where they did the kill shot of us. And then then they came to our show and filmed our show at the Shrine. But in the meantime, we had to have the same clothes on because it's the same shoot. And we were already covered in gallons or at least quarts of that of that fake blood. And, and I mean, they're just pouring it. I'm like, you don't need that much. They go, no, you do. And, and, so, and so, so here's a, how do you wash a shirt when you go into a New York controlled uh, sink? So the sink isn't very big. One shirt at a time, you press the faucet, it goes on, it turns off. You press it again, it goes on and off. And so I'm doing oh that. Oh, my God. I, I washed, everybody washed their shirts except for cash. And so in the film, if you really were microing it, maybe you could see some blood on his shirt on the live show. But again, I, I didn't notice it. And I've seen the film at least five times uh, now, probably more. Where can uh, people buy it? Um, it's available at Amazon. You can watch it on Vimeo or Amazon Prime. And right now on Prime, it's two ninety nine versus four ninety nine. Uh, so to me, you should consume it at the cheapest rate. If you come to our shows, we can sell you. I can sell you a DVD, and I'll even autograph it. You know, and uh, it it was a lot of fun. And what's beautiful about uh, the movie is that it's got so much of our music. Um, in fact, a new song is a new song debuts in the movie. It's called "The Theme from Attack of the Killer Chickens," and it runs as the titles go up. But there's also nice. other friends of ours that appeared on, on the soundtrack. Uh, so our friends out of Denmark, uh, Cherry Bombs DK, uh, are, are on there. They do, they do a punk rock song on it. Our good friends out of Taylorville, Illinois, the Muscles, uh, they do a song on it. And, uh, there's probably other bands I forgot, but I mean, those are the two that uh, are the most prominent that I, that I remember that are on, on the uh, soundtrack. So yeah. let's talk about. Uh, love bucket. Uh, uh, that seems very. At first, I was like, "Oh, this is a big woman hating song," and then I and then I listened to it again, and I was like, "Okay, this is all satire." So tell no. me about that. This is a love no, song. No, no, I mean, it, I this is a song about was... unconditional love. Okay. No, it's a song about it's a song about my dream date. I, I mean, you know, I was told that uh, from every single relative I ever got married told me. Don't be stupid like me and marry for love. Marry money. And, of course, I didn't listen to it either, but but it's a great song. And since it is so a good song. People, and since so many people, you know, and put it this way, unfortunately, stereotype, and, and I'm sorry, uh, you can send your hate to me on social network. You hate me all you want. Uh, but traditionally, women have been the ones that have been uh, more or less accused of being gold digger, money grub, whatever, okay? That's been in the movies, especially the old days. They've had, I mean, they even had a, a movie of, of all women called The Gold Diggers, okay? So the, but the re- reality is it's not, it's not 1960. It's, it's 2022. And in 2022, it's fair game and there's nothing wrong. I mean, just like on our first album, we recorded a song called I Want to Be Your House Husband. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're musicians. We're musicians. We don't want to work. We want to go up on stage. We want to play our instruments. And if a woman can afford a pet hog, you know, or a pet brain tree, that's all good. You know, I don't, I, I don't want, I don't want to go to, go to a day job. I will tell you, every time I meet a band, no matter how famous they are, first question out of my mouth, what's your day job? Because the oldest yeah. joke in the business, what do you call a musician without a day job? Broke. 
homeless. Yeah. And <laughs> and and we actually had uh, at one point we had two homeless people in the band. It was a very interesting. That's uh, when you just this. need to go on tour. When 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 you have a certain threshold and people don't have a home, that's just when you go on tour. Yeah, that's what I mean. The, the couple <laughs> guys I knew they could play. I had played. I didn't realize they were both homeless. And I found out after they were in the band that you know, I'm just dropping them off at a street corner. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> away, away we went. But then you know, but we've graduated well past that. That was that was a different lifetime. My question about love buckets is. Were the lyrics of this song based on like your mama's so ugly jokes or anything like that? No, it was all it was kind of like a different way to talk about house husband. We just want I mean, we basically I mean, um, we basically me. Uh I tend to write uh misogynistic songs and I was told that by people. You know, you think you're funny with all your misogynistic songs and I said don't use those big words in front of me. First of all, I have no idea what you're talking about, but it's <laughs> obvious you don't like my music. Let me ask you a question. Are you involved with the club at all? No, nah, a friend of mine brought me here. I says, well, I wish I cared about your opinion then. You didn't come to see me. So I guess you were there to complain about whoever was playing, and I just happened to be your target. Have fun. Again, full of hate. <laughs> have a ball before you go to bed. <laughs> so my favorite line in that is, I never felt such love before. And heaven knows I've tried. I don't care when you eat buckets of Popeye's fried chicken. I love that. And then you do KFC one time, too. Well, I mean, the whole thing is to, to climax at KFC because people will automatically, when they think of a bucket of chicken, they think of KFC, yeah. especially out here, heaven forbid. Uh, but you know, churches, churches is big in Texas, so I put yeah. churches in. So the first chorus is churches, country fried. Then the second one is Popeye's Cajun fried. Mm-hmm. And then the, well, and the last is Kentucky fried. It was just, it just came about. And I'm surprised we haven't heard from any of the companies. Um, I was going to say that the, there's endorsement opportunities right there. Or, or, or please remove our, remove our stuff from your song. Kind of like, uh, they didn't want Coca-Cola on Lola. It had, so they changed it to Cherry Cola. Texas, but you bought me my new Lexus, and you're 
Are you guys playing anywhere live soon? Our very next gig, we're playing in uh, Indianapolis on October okay. 27th at a place called the Melody Inn. It's a super cool punk rock bar mostly, but we've played there a bunch of times, again, returning. And then uh, a couple nights after that, we're going to be in Taylorville, Illinois, where you look at one side of the road, it's corn. The other side of the road is soybeans. It's flat. And there's a really cool diner called Bill's Toasty that's open 24-7, 365, that is probably going to be the death of, of everybody who eats there, but it's so good. It's comfort food. And so yeah. if you want to eat, and they have, they have a ridiculous burger that is like, you know, I don't know, six, it's like six or seven giant quarter pound burgers all together. And if you can eat one, it's free. Um, I saw one guy try, and I thought he was going to puke on me, but he didn't. Uh, but he didn't finish either. I kept no, I kept I kept telling him, "There's no way you're lucky to get halfway through that thing." I says, "Any sandwich that you can't fit in your mouth, you're not supposed to be eating as a sandwich. It's just like you can't fit it in your mouth." But uh, w- yeah, but uh, we're playing there, and we're also it's going to be a really cool show. We're playing with uh, two bands that we're really good friends with. Uh, one being the Muscles, and they're out of Taylorville. Nice. And so they, they asked us to play. And uh, also a band that people wonder, why do you play with these guys? Because they're not, they don't sound anything like you, but it's a band called Without MF Order. And they are, they are a scum rock band. And they are so much fun uh, to play with as long as you don't have to go on after them. Um, because <laughs> they, they, they always have to clean up after their act. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a headliner to me. Where's this one at? They're out of St. Louis. So, and they, they went viral. They, they created a machine to kill their drummer and it ended up going viral. And, uh, they had, the, they had a GoFundMe page to raise money to make this machine to kill the drummer. And you know, it went I, viral. And of course they took it down. I understand that. That makes <laughs> sense. To me. It really does. I, I totally, I can totally understand why that would happen. They got a new drummer now. <laughs> because the other one's dead, right? Yeah, the old one, they, <laughs> they just kept trying to kill him, but he wouldn't die. I love meeting different bands, different people. In fact, I don't know if you've listened to our EP called Jesse and the Hog Brothers Love Cats, but uh, a singer-songwriter friend of ours named Hanson Barlow, he's out of New Hampshire, um, he wrote the song and we ended up just as a joke. Me and Kenny went and started playing it at a couple of open mics in Texas and it went over so well. We recorded the song, had him guest on it and uh, the video has gotten a lot of attention because we have it both in English and Spanish. Speaking of which, <laughs> we have our first Spanish recording that's going to be released in, uh, in the next, in the coming year. Uh, I've just got one more song to complete before. And it takes a long time because I don't speak Spanish, but with a translator in the booth, it takes about three hours to record a three-minute song. But that's really cool that you're doing that, though, because that's going to give your music to a whole other group of people. It it all started. I uh, I was we were after a gig. It's like three in the morning, and uh, we were at this hotel, and I'm I'm talking to somebody on Facebook, and he's like, "Oh, you're Jesse," you know. He goes, "I love your band," and I go. You're from Argentina. I says, there's no way you even know who we are. And, and we go back and forth. And then he ended up, uh, saying to me that, you know, uh, no, I'm really legit. And so I ended up writing a song. Uh, the first song I wrote was called Argentina. And it was funny because I said to him, I said, so what do you think of, I, I said, to, you know, so he said to me, when you're in Argentina, it's cows and horses. And so I went to bed that night thinking cows and horses, horses and cows, Argentina, and ended up being the uh, chorus. And, um, and, and it's a really cool song. And so, and then the, the one that I'm, I still got to re- finish recording is a story. In Southeast Texas, th- there's a ghost town and there's a ghost story there that's really cool. It's called the light of Saratoga. I don't know if you've heard about it, 
But there's different stories for why when you pull down this dirt road that used to be a lumber railroad line, and when you pull into that, they ripped the, the, the rails out years ago, and now it's just a dirt road. And as you drive down that dirt road, the steer will appear at night, and it moves and disappears, comes back. And so there's a lot of theories, and obviously, and it was really funny. After I write the song, I end up watching a show on television, and they actually do a, uh, why it's not real. And they ended up proving what, what the light is. But I like stories, and the stories were better than uh, hearing the scientific reason it happened. One last question. Where can people find your music? Where can they purchase it? Where can they listen to you? Well, you can get our music and any place that sells music, downloads music, streams music. I mean, today people don't really buy music. So I'd say go to Spotify and listen to us. If you're an Amazon music person, a YouTube person, you can check us out that way. And you don't even have okay. to spend any money. But if you'd like, if you're one of the people like me who likes physical media, then you can buy our stuff. Our entire catalog is available, you know, at Amazon and other retailers, you know, and we do have one vinyl album, and that's called Get Hammered. We have Get Hammered also on CD. And then we have a bunch of other releases all, all just on CD. But we did put uh, Get Hammered on, on LP, and it's a beautiful gatefold sleeve. And uh, nice. I, just wanted to, I just wanted to do an old-school album. No, I like vinyl, too. The lyrics and all that great stuff. Yeah, you get just you can hold it and then, like, open it. It's nice. It's really nice. I think we sell more of them to autograph them than we do to actually people that listen to them, but I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping people listen to it when they Me buy it. But, but when they come to the merch table, they'll pick up the album and go, I'll buy this if you sign it. No, okay. I'll sign, yeah. I, you know, I'll, I'll sign you, I'll sign your shirt for free. <laughs> Never but if it. you're going to buy something, I'm not going to stop you. I'm going to encourage it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, that it is. Oh, by the way. I do have a couple, a couple of chickens, uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I usually bring the. I mean, when we 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 plan on using those in a future show when we actually start playing the theme from, uh, the theme from uh, the Killer Chicken movie because. Are you gonna use gr- them? In, are you gonna like throw them out to the audience? Or are you gonna squeeze them for the sound? Uh, we'll just have them up and, you know, use it as like an intro to the song. We may throw them out to the crowd. But the thing is, I wouldn't, I'd be afraid somebody would put them near children because this thing is, it says right on it, do not put this near your ear and, and squeeze it. It'll, it'll blow your eardrum out. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah, you don't want so them I got to them cheap. All that. They were in a big bin and they were cheap. Why? Because they all have warnings all over them. Not for <laughs> children. It's like, how many adults need one of these? <laughs> Obviously, I do. It's parents that need them. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all are really doing some cool stuff, especially especially the funny stuff, because I appreciate that, because it's hard to write a song that's, like, actually funny and doesn't... And still be good. Yeah, and doesn't yeah. offend everyone. You know, so I well, think y'all... I mean, well, I've had, I've, I've had my face <laughs> lots of shows, uh... You know, and I've been told I've been I've been I've I've listened to some some major criticism, but most of the time I, I was like, why did you come? You know, it's <laughs> like you know, I, I mean, that's really why what are you here? I mean, you're not here for fun. You, Go away. <laughs> and it's even worse when it's a club owner and they're going, well, aren't you going to play covers? It's like, no. did you hear any covers in the press kit? No, good. Because we don't play them. There's nothing wrong with them. But if you wanted a cover band, you shouldn't have hired us. That was that was a dumb move on your part. Yeah. But that's okay. It's all up. It's all up. It's, you know, it's cool that y'all are original too. That's another. Yeah, we like that. It's, well, you're coming in at a good time to listen to us. I mean, I love our first two albums. You know, White Trash Meth Lab and and uh, and Work at the Yankee Money. They're great albums. But Get Hammered is such a you know the amount of work. And the amount of contributors, it it is really what I what I want us to sound like, and we don't mm-hmm. sound like that live. It, that is the optimal sound. Whereas when you see us live, we're going to sound like our live in Harlem album, you know. Okay. And, you know. Okay. But but the thing is, I, my belief is you should always sound better in the studio because you have the chance yeah. to fix anything that you did. Where when you play live, there is going to be there's going to be a mistake that you know and 
and you know, I'm no one's no one's going to put me on American Idol. You know, I I don't I don't have that kind of voice. But the majority of the songs are written by me and Neil. Me and Kenny are, have written the majority for the upcoming album, including the Chicken song. And um, I'm starting to write songs with Stevie Joe. Stevie only had written one song before, Stevie Joe's Christmas, which is on our Rusty Love Christmas CD. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's now got an interest in writing more songs. So you're going to be looking for uh, some really cool material coming from uh, collaborating with, with Stevie Joe. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show. I, I, I look forward to meeting you guys in person when I'm in Texas. Absolutely. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening to Sound Pollution today. We want to thank Jesse for being on the show again. You were wonderful. Thank you for telling us so many cool stories. We have our tour coming up in the Austin, Texas area. Um, we're stoked about that. We're busy, but we're happy, right? That's what we're going to say. I say embrace the chaos because fuck it. I'm not going to say I'm happy because I don't I don't normally lie that bald face. <laughs> You've had some really rough weeks, though. This podcast has had their ass beaten. We have been beaten with mm-hmm. with ugly sticks and financial ruin. I had to get a new job. It was a mess. Yeah, I but. Start because I was broken. Ran out of gas leak, couldn't leave from work. They had COVID. Jesus. We actually ended up having two gas leaks in the house. So we got that fixed. And when they were fixing that, they broke our uh, AC system. So then someone had to come out in later Texas. on. Yeah. It was a warm day. Oh. There was, an, uh, there was everybody in your house was grumpy. Actually, you know, we've been in a pretty good... Everyone's been in a pretty good mood. I mean, considering, I mean, I wasn't whenever I found out I got kicked out of Facebook and then. Someone, no, that would piss me off. Yeah. Someone took all my money, but I'm hoping I can get it back, to be honest with you. All right. I don't think we have anything else. We're just complainers. We're just going to we just let Jesse talk today. This We're is your just home. whiners. This is your home for independent music, man. We just keep on keeping on. You just do what you can do. It is what it is. Have a good time. Listen to some good music. Follow us, like us, subscribe to us on all the social media platforms and all the listening streaming services. And make some.